0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. Just a reminder that we're coming to the close of this series. we got one more Sunday next week, one more week in the series. Pastor Danny will be back and wrap the series up. We hope it's been an encouraging series for you. Not an easy series. These are hard truths. These are the hard sayings of Christ. And yet uh, the truth sets us free, right? So, it's great to know truth. This has been a series designed to sort of redefine, or not redefine, but help us define what it means to be a follower of Christ. And I use the word redefine in a sense because there's a lot of people that have changed what Jesus said in terms of what it means to follow him. And I meet people all the time who have a brand of Christianity that I don't find in the New Testament. It's a, it's a Christianity void of the Lordship of Christ void of what it means to to follow him. So we've taken some pretty clear and direct route right to the, the, the sayings of Christ and what he's inviting us, what he's commanding us into. And today we come, I think, to really the one that is maybe the hardest for most of us to really grapple with in terms of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Jesus says this very generally to his disciples, uh, but but uh, it's a it's a message that continues to go out, and it's and it's really begins with just his command, his invitation to follow. And I, I was thinking about this all week. I was thinking he's still inviting people to follow him, and that might be you today. You might be here for the first time. You might be going through a spiritual. Search in your own life. And let me just commend you to the words of Christ this morning where he invites you, commands you to follow him, to find life in him. The message is still going out. He's still inviting us to come. But the question we're asking today is will you be willing to follow Jesus? Would you be willing to follow Jesus anywhere? I mean, really, anywhere. What we're going to learn today, that following Jesus sometimes is is difficult. He often leads us into deliberately difficult situations to show us how powerful he really is. And in our modern evangelical world, we kind of think about following Jesus like going to Six Flags a little bit, you know, that it's just this really big fun adventure. But But there are serious things that we encounter as followers of Christ. And if we're not really Weighed in on that. If we're not really clear in our thinking on what that means, a lot of us think when problems happen that God must not be for us anymore, or He's turned His back on us, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. To follow Jesus sometimes mean means to follow Him into very difficult situations. We're going to see that today. So let's look at the text and uh, read it. It's just a couple of verses. In verse 23 of Luke chapter 9. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Well, that's that's a very challenging command. I mean, if you're following what Jesus is saying there, he's getting down to the nitty-gritty of, of what it really means to follow him, isn't he? And if this sounds familiar to you, by the way, all all of the synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have this saying of Jesus exactly as it's read right here. Luke's account, however, does add one word, and I'll show you what that word is when we get a little further into the message. Just one word different that Dr. Luke remembers Jesus saying that he wants to point out to us. But even the Gospel of John has a similar, a similar saying in John twelve twenty six, where Jesus says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. Wherever I am, my servant also will be. And so again, the question comes down, would you be willing to follow Jesus anywhere? Because where Jesus is, that's where his servants will be. All right, so I see three movements in this text. They're simple. We're going to walk through these really quickly. And the first movement comes to us in the phrase, if anyone would come after me, verse 23. And here's the principle. The invitation to follow Jesus is open to anyone. Say the word anyone. I mean, do you really believe that, that the invitation to follow Jesus is open to anyone? How many believe that this morning? Well, I'm glad you believe that because that's what the text says right there. (laughs) If anyone would follow me. Jesus said it. If anyone. I love the word anyone. Say it again. Anyone. This points to the inclusivity of the gospel. That the gospel is not to be held back. That we don't just decide who deserves the gospel. Jesus says if anyone would come after me. Now anyone can come and all are invited. But that doesn't necessarily mean that all come or that everyone is going to come. Jesus said in John 6.37, he said, All that the Father has given me will come to me, and all who come to me I will in no ways cast aside or drive away. So everyone that is called by God is going to come, and whoever comes, the anyone, that could be you this morning, the anyone is so important to understand. Anyone can come. The anyone is the whoever of John 3.16, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life and I love the word anyone now I know all of us probably get excited about that word too and you say I believe that I agree with that until anyone becomes a certain one we get a little suspicious over some people that look like they're coming after Jesus have you noticed that you know we see people that don't look like us don't talk like us might have a little different background than us and they're on their way they're coming and we say wait a minute the gospel is open to anyone except I'm not sure about you and we kind of get that feeling but that's not the gospel the gospel welcomes anyone to come and as people are coming and we don't know and this is where ministry gets really messy and this is the, the reason this is a hard text to preach is because it toggles a little bit before the idea of everyone's invited but not everyone comes and the whole issue of God's sovereign grace over those whom he will call, his electing grace as we have talked about and spoken about and preached about. And so as people, as God is is open the invitation and, and to the whole world that anyone who is willing to come, come, we sometimes as christ followers get a little judgmental and we're trying to sort out you know who deserves it or who should be there and it's and that's why ministry is is messy i've i've learned that in the church over the years people come they're in different stages of their coming to christ you know we don't we don't instantly come to Christ in the sense of you know, just waking up one day and all, all of a sudden everything makes sense to us. Most of us are in a process. God is using circumstances in our life. He's using scripture. He's using testimony. He's using life's lessons to point us to our need for him. And then, yes, one day we do step over that line of faith and we give our lives to Jesus. I'm not saying that we morph into becoming a Christian, but there's a process usually involved And so as people are coming along in this process, ministry gets a little messy because sometimes along the way, you know what I've learned? I've learned that sometimes people along the way of their own search decide this is not the Jesus I'm going to follow. I'm not going to give my life to anyone. I'm not going to bow my knee to anyone. I'm not going to submit to Christ's lordship. But you know what happens? Somewhere along the line, they got to be friends with people. They started becoming social. They get involved in churches. They like people. It's just Jesus they're not sure about. And so now you've got people in the church who are not really devoted, not dedicated to Christ. Christ is not their Lord. And they like the friendship. They like the, the being around people that are Christ followers. And all of a sudden it gets really me- miss- messy. Ministry gets messy. I don't know how many times I run into people in the church who have a brand of Christianity that I just don't read in Scripture. I love, I love this church. I just, I'm not sure I want to, you know, let Jesus be Lord of my life. <laughs> Hello, what? That's, that happens. And if it doesn't happen overtly, it happens covertly with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maintain this lifestyle, And I'm going to call myself a Christian because I like the stuff around Christianity. I like the ethics. I like the good nature of people. I like the surroundings. I like whatever, fill in the blank. But I'm going to keep this and just whatever this is, the little X in your life the little personal thing that you don't want to give up, the, the habit of your life, a moral issue in your life, and there are people that want to hang on to their stuff and have Jesus too. And I, I don't know of a more clear place in Scripture where Jesus defines what it really means to legitimize your claim to follow him than right here in Luke chapter 9. So what does he say? Which brings us to the next movement of the text. What he says is, if anyone comes after me, he must. Now, now we move from anyone to someone. Verse 23b, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. There it is. So I'm saying this in a principle. I'm saying anyone can come, but only those who meet certain requirements according to Jesus can actually claim to be a follower of Christ. Now I know when I say that, that's hard. It's even hard for me to say because I don't like the word requirement. It sounds like a works righteousness, but Jesus made it really clear that if you're going to follow me, there's got to be, there's got to be a, a a priority in your life that at least in this text revolve around three things, and we 're going to talk about those three things in a minute here, but I want to be really clear and I want you to be clear in what I'm saying and what i 'm not saying I'm not saying that we work our way to salvation I'm not saying that we meet some kind of condition and then we get saved because that would be a works' righteousness. Our faith in God is the only thing that br- our faith in Jesus Christ we are saved by grace through faith, that's the teaching of, of, of Orthodox Christianity, it is no work that we can accomplish to save our lives. You believe that this morning? No work. But what we have described in what Jesus is saying here is the way salvation works its way out in us. In other words, when this supernatural work of God comes upon our lives in conversion, whereby there's a truly transformative behavior in our lives that occurs, that's the work of God. That's sovereign grace in our lives where we actually want to live this way. This is like a litmus test. Jesus is saying, if you're gonna claim to be a follower of mine, then what's seen in your life is a denial of self, a picking up of your cross and doing it daily. Wow, wow. So let's pick that apart just a little bit more. Let's let's dissect it. What Jesus says here, I think there are three things. Our claim to follow Jesus first requires a life of surrender. Jesus said he must deny himself. Say the word surrender. You know what surrender looks like, right? A surrender. I was teaching our kids when they were young about, it's okay to worship God if you want to raise your hands. You know, we were teaching our kids. I remember just making a little point of that. It's not required, but just... Just a little statement, and we were driving the car, and one of my kids, I, they were really small at the time, and one of them, a little police activity going up, and we happened to see this police officer coming out, and there was a guy like this, walking. And one of my kids, I don't remember which one, said, is he praising the Lord? Maybe. <laughs> but that's what surrender looks like, doesn't it? I surrender, Lord. That surrender means it's not about me anymore. It's not about my plans, my dreams, my desires. No, surrender means, God, you're in charge of my life. You you call the shots. You decide where I go. You decide what I do. Let me be really clear that what Jesus is saying here is not living a life of self denial. That's not what he's saying. Self-denial is compartmentalized. Self-denial is optional. You know, you're, you're trying to lose a little weight, so you decide, nah, I gotta cut out ice cream for a while. That's self-denial. You get that urge? You get that urge sometimes? Oh, I get it all the time. I love ice cream. And I think, nah, I, shouldn't eat, I shouldn't eat ice cream tonight. I want it, but I don't eat it. That's self-denial. Oh, good job. I, I, I walk by the refrigerator without grabbing the ice cream. That's self-denial. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a wholesale decision of no longer you being the one in charge. It's a denial of self. It's a self-renunciation. It's a, I'm no longer in charge, Jesus is in charge. The, The claim of the early church, the preaching of the early church was based on the lordship of christ and this is lordship theology this is not savior until this is savior when he is lord of our lives that we are handing the keys of our lives over we are saying you're the master of my ship you are the leader of my life and i think there's no question about it that that's what jesus is saying right here in fact you're in luke go back to chapter six for just a minute I mean, these, these are ver- really important clarifying passages. Luke 6, verse 46. Here's a, here's a good question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Wow. How would you like the Lord to say that to you? Now, how many times do we say Lord to him all week long? We say it in our prayers. Lord, Lord. Lord, would you do this? Would you bless me here? Would you send me here? Lord, I need this. Lord, 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 Lord. Have you ever stopped to think about what Lord means? Lord means you're in charge. You're in charge. You're in charge. You're the captain. You're the master. And sometimes I forget that. I kind of start thinking it's about me. And I've got all these options. I can just live the way I want to live. If you're going to follow Christ, and this is the hard teaching. If you're going to follow Christ... You have to say, Lord, Lord, you're in charge of my life. Now you say, well, wait, Pastor Larry, hold on, hold on. Is that the way you live all the time? No. There are times I check out of that. There are times where I I go back into Larry theology, you know. Larry is Lord. Larry decides. Larry wants to, no, but the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is always, 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 Chipping away in my heart, saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Who's who's in charge here?" And I am I'm recalibrating that all the time. And there are times where I'm just rebellious. I'm like all of us. We're sinners. We're prone to wander. We know it. We feel it in our hearts. But if you're a Christ follower, you're going to be the man or the woman that Jesus says right here. If anyone comes after me, if you are called of God and and he's not going to reject you, you come after him, you're going to deny yourself, you're going to take up your cross, and you're going to follow him. So our claim to follow Jesus requires, one, surrender. Number two, it requires suffering. Now how many get excited about that? Let's be honest. No, no one raises our hands on that, but Jesus said... And take up his cross. The cross is an emblem of suffering and death. To take up one's cross is to be in agreement to go at times where it hurts. While the cross includes the possibility of physical death, it guarantees the reality of dying to ourselves, to our dreams, our desires, our plans, our purposes. That's what the cross represents. And so when Jesus said, we must deny ourselves, that's a self-renunciation. God, you're in charge. Jesus, you're in charge. And secondly, a life of suffering, which means there are times in my life where I'm gonna need to go where it doesn't feel good to go. Kyle Eilerman, in his book, Not a Fan, says this about the cross. He says, there is no comfortable way to carry a cross. I don't care how you position it, Am I really carrying a cross if there's no suffering or sacrifice? When is the last time that following Jesus cost you something? When is the last time it cost you a relationship? When is the last time following Jesus cost you a promotion? When is the last time it cost you a vacation? When is the last time you were mocked for your faith? When is the last time you went without a meal for the sake of the gospel? Can you really say you're carrying your cross if it hasn't cost you anything? Has following Jesus cost you anything? If there's no sacrifice involved, if you're not at least a little uncomfortable, then there's a good chance that you're not carrying the cross. Wow, that's quite a quote, isn't it? I mean, it kind of goes against what most of us are hearing and feeling and thinking in our Christian lives, that to follow Christ means everything always works out easy and smooth and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to live this life of self-denial and self-sacrifice. Let's read out loud together, 2 Corinthians 5.15. We'll put it on the screen. Ready? And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now this is the picture that Paul gives to us, and he does it in many other places in the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul reminds us that when we become a Christ follower, our lives are no longer about ourselves. Much bigger picture now. It's about what Jesus wants to do in our lives. That's why Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I mean, Paul would thunderously revel in that truth that he no longer lived for himself. He was crucified with Christ. He was dead to himself. And I don't know about you, if there's anyone else here that can relate to this, I, I feel like my flesh just comes alive a lot throughout the week. I'm constantly having to be reminded, and thankfully the Holy Spirit is all over that mission, to remind me that it's no longer about my life, it's about him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his life, he was a pastor during the Nazi regime, and you remember he preached out against Hitler and against the Nazi regime, and he was ultimately martyred for his belief as a Christ follower in him speaking out against them. But one of the things Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, which he became popular for knowing, having said this, was when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's not really coming out in a lot of churches these days. Have you noticed? I mean, today we hear things like, come to Jesus, and if you do, you'll have the kind of life you really want. More money, more opportunity, more dreams fulfilled, more for you, more for you, more for you. Come to Jesus and let him fulfill your desires. In fact, the message is not follow Jesus. The message is get Jesus to follow you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is I'm following Jesus. And I'm denying myself and I'm picking up my cross, which means going places at times that are not comfortable. Last September I I met a young couple and I'm going to introduce them to you in just a minute here. They're sitting down here in front and now their hands are sweaty. Okay. Um, I met Mark and Mariko over here at the little deli down here in Castor Valley we had a little get together after 6.13 one night and I just showed up down there to walk around and I met Mark Mark came up and introduced himself to me and he said Pastor Larry I've been attending church for a while at neighborhood kind of in and out but I've really not lived my life for the Lord I mean I'm just summing up a conversation he said I've gotten into some big trouble and I am I am scared but I need you to pray for me and so he had he told me the story, what happened. Criminal act, standing, going to stand before a judge, married, big stuff in his life. But man, repentance, soft. Would you pray for me? Of course. So we prayed together. And for the last nine months, we've been kind of walking through this little journey together. I've gotten to know Mark. I consider him a friend of mine. Um, we play ball together a couple times every week. He. I've just been watching this young man grow in his understanding of what it means to deny himself, pick up his cross and follow Christ. And uh, so he was facing a two-year sentence and this past week or the week before last, I think it was, Mark, he, he met before the judge to hear what was going to happen. And I thought instead of me telling the rest of the story, I should have Mark come and Mariko and why don't you come and share. Let's welcome Mark and Mariko So when I first suggested to Mark, Mark, you should just share a little bit of this on a Sunday morning. He, he just got terrified. And, and for many of us, Mark, this would be our biggest fear to stand in front of a group of people. So we actually walked in here on a morning, remember this, and no one was here. And, and Mark just kind of, you know, took a breath and he kind of shared with nobody here. And he said, you know, I, I think I could do this. I'll try to do this. So it looks a little different with a thousand people here. But anyway, go ahead.
1: Okay. Okay. Hello, Neighborhood Church. My name is Mark Nugent, and this is my best friend and my wife, Mariko. I first want to thank God for the life he has blessed us with. I also want to thank Pastor Larry and Neighborhood Church for allowing me the privilege to share a brief testimony of how Jesus has been working in my life. My whole life has been all about me and my own worldly desires, always searching for love in all the wrong places, ultimately ignoring God, which has got me nowhere but in trouble. Just last... July, my wife and I went on a night out with some co-workers and ended up in an altercation with another party. Due to my actions that night, I am now looking at a four-month, uh, four-month jail sentence. Tomorrow is when I will be returning to court and expecting to turn myself in. This is a very difficult situation for my family and I, but there is no one to blame but myself. Although I sincerely regret that night took place, I can truly say this incident was a blessing in disguise. It has allowed me to fully surrender my heart and life to Jesus. I have broken his heart a million times, and yet he still loves me. What a crazy love he has for me. If Mariko and I were not walking with our merciful Savior in this dark time, we don't know where we would be, but lost, that's for sure. Now it is not myself that I live for, but for Christ. I have made the vow to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. For John the Baptist once said, I must decrease, and he must increase. I know it will not be an easy road, but if God is for me, who can be against me? Since fully surrendering to Jesus, we have been filled with so many blessings. Just after a recent miscarriage last December, my wife is now 14 weeks pregnant. Praise God. The judges now allow me to be released from jail in time for my wife's delivery, God willing. Also my wife and I, along with a great friend which is baptized by Pastor Larry this past Thursday. Praise God again. We are so grateful to have an abundance of love and support pouring in from all the brothers and sisters here at Neighborhood Church. God is constantly providing. He has even blessed me with the courage to come up here and speak. Because he, along with Pastor Larry, knows how terrified I was. I'm still terrified. (laughs) In a time that would usually seem unbearable, Jesus has provided us strength, courage, trust, wisdom, and peace. I am now wearing the armor of God, and I will not fear, for I know he is with me. He has and will continue to carry me through the struggles I face daily. I am so grateful for my new heart and for my relationship with our great Lord. My brothers and sisters, I ask you to please pray for me to be on fire for Jesus when I go into jail, witnessing to others of his great love, holding back nothing, in hopes of bringing more brothers to his amazing kingdom. Oh yeah, and one last thing, I used to complain that I never have quiet time to read my Bible, <laughs> Well, Jesus has even answered that prayer because now I'll be all the, having all the time in the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Neighborhood Church, for being such a great part of our lives. Our God is truly an awesome God. God bless you all. Oh yeah, God. Thank you so much. awesome.
0: Couple things. First of all, I guess one application out of that is be careful what you pray for, right? You know. I wish I had more time to study my Bible. That's uh, interesting. Okay, so, but you know what? What I was really touched by through this process is when we were talking earlier in the year, um, Mark was looking at a two-year sentence and through uh, references, letters, but most of all just through the hand of a sovereign God who saw what was in his heart and saw his beautiful wife, Mariko, and just the hand of God commuted that sentence from two years down to four months. And I think that that's an amazing answer to prayer too. Praise God. So let's pray for our brother and sister. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Mark and Mariko and all that they've been through, Lord. And like he said, Lord, what, what was a total disaster in so many ways has become an impetus for such a blessing in his life because it brought him to a place of full surrender to you. And Lord, whatever it is in our lives that bring us to full surrender, that's a precious gift. And so Lord, we do pray. We pray for um, amazing ministry. Lord, he's going to uh, pay the price and do the time. But Lord, while he's there, He's going to be a witness for you. And so, Lord, bless him, encourage him, put him alongside of people that need to hear his testimony, give him boldness, protect him, watch over him. We pray for Mariko that she will know, Lord, she has an extended family of a lot of people that care for her and love her too, Lord. And we pray that they will both, through these next four months, draw closer to you. And when it's all done, Lord, they will just give you praise and throughout that you've been in charge and that. As a disciple of Christ, we go wherever you tell us to go. And this is one of those places, hard place. But you're going to be there with them and we commit him to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Suffering. We don't hear much about it, do we? I was thinking this past week about people that go through suffering i was thinking of the apostles themselves and let me just give you a little list of what we know from church history and and tradition uh the apostles themselves matthew suffered martyrdom in ethiopia killed by a sword mark died in alexandria egypt after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead luke dr luke hanged in greece as a result of his tremendous preaching to the lost The apostle John, who's the only apostle that wasn't martyred for his faith, but boiled in oil. Taken to the island of Patmos, where they thought he was going to die, but God, by his grace, brought him out of that. Peter, crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. According to church tradition, it was because he told his tormentors he felt unworthy to die in the same way Christ had died. James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, thrown over a hundred feet down the southeast pinnacle of the temple, because he refused to deny his faith in Christ. James the Great, son of Zebedee, beheaded in Jerusalem. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, martyred for his preaching in Armenia. Andrew, crucified on an X-shaped cross again in Patras, Greece, Thomas stabbed with a spear in India, Jude shot and killed with arrows as he refused to deny his faith in Christ. Matthias, who took Judas's place, Stoned and later and then beheaded, Paul the Apostle tortured and beheaded by the Emperor of Rome. <laughs> Follow Jesus wherever He takes you. I was thinking of more modern-day missionaries. I was thinking of John Williams and James Harris, who in 1839, landed on the island of Aramango in the Hebrides and where the ship and those who dropped them off on that beach watched cannibals come out, club them to death, and eat them for dinner. They watched from the shoreline as all that took place. John Patton, so moved by his own passion and desire to bring the gospel to these cannibal peoples, also ordained and married a beautiful woman, Mary Ann, on April 4th of 1858 14 days later they were both headed to the island of Tanna in the New Hebrides their first year there they had a baby the baby died 36 days after birth within the first year his wife also died four years of ministry on Tanna, not one convert for Christ well his story goes on God used him in a miraculous way bringing many to faith in Christ later on but Talk about a tough journey. Or what about, I mentioned last week, Nate Saint and the four that were with him. They're in Ecuador. I think I said Papua New Guinea last week. But in Ecuador, who gave his life as, as a follower of Christ. Or even in recent times, in 1999, Graham Staines, remember, who ministered in India. His two sons, aged 6 and 10, burned to death as they slept in their station wagon by extremist uh, Hindu Hindus who didn't like what Graham Staines was doing there in India. We don't know how it's going to come down in our lives. Maybe we'll be a Graham Staines. Maybe we'll be a Nate Saint. We don't know. But I have a feeling that picking up our cross and following Christ may not lead to our physical death as much as it will lead to a daily denouncement of our agenda and the things that we want to see happen. Last night we were at a beautiful wedding. One of our pastors was married uh, Austin Foxworthy he pastors our our elementary school kids and and he and his beautiful new wife Sarah and those that were at the wedding were tearing up as Sherry Foxworthy the mother of Austin shared a beautiful toast and tribute to her son choking back the tears herself for 3 years ago her husband Austin's father had passed away from cancer and Doug was an amazing guy in our ministry and he loved the Lord and he served the Lord with a whole heart and so many great ministries came out of his heart and I thought, there's a lot of pain there. Following Jesus, there's a lot of pain. Some of us have been through divorces that we didn't want to have happen. Some of us have lost children to death. Some of us have watched children leave the faith. Some of us will not see our grown children come back to faith in our lifetime perhaps. There's a lot of pain in the offering. But here's the question. Are you going to follow Jesus or not? Now if you're going to answer yes to that, here's why you will. Back to Luke chapter 9, which brings us to the last movement in this little little section that we're looking at. If you follow Jesus, your life will be full. It will be meaningful. You will be satisfied. Verse 24. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. I love that. Jesus basically is saying, it's not an easy life I've promised, but I have promised a life of full satisfaction, a life the way it was really meant to be lived. Kyle Eidelman says in his book, Not a Fan, he says, in a strange twist of irony, giving up our lives gives us the life we so desperately wanted all along. Life begins when we die to ourselves our dreams our plans and we say God what do you have for us so you want to follow Jesus it's going to mean surrender it's going to mean suffering and it's going to mean a steady commitment that's the little word that Luke puts in that none of the other gospel writers put in pick up your cross daily and follow me don't you love that Leave it to a doctor to prescribe the dosage on suffering and surrender to Christ. How often? Daily. Daily. So, let's follow Jesus, shall we? Today. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for, thank you for these challenging commands, Lord. And none of us in ourselves could do this apart from your grace apart from your Holy Spirit apart from your presence in our lives and so Lord we we welcome whatever it is in your sovereign plan has for us today and we ask that even in these closing moments of this service that you might allow us to see a window into our hearts to see what's really there are we truly followers or are we fans Are we really living for you in a dedicated, surrendered life? And if there's stuff that needs to be cleaned up in our lives, Holy Spirit, come in, clean up, change us, mold us, transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And if that means breaking us, if it means causing suffering in our lives, whatever it is, may we see it as a blessing because it draws us closer to you. Thank you for the testimony of our brother and sister this morning for the blessing in disguise. Some of us, Lord, are going through difficult moments today. May we see it as the blessing in disguise. And if that's you, my friend, whatever that is, bring it to the Lord right now. What are you suffering with? What is the burden of your heart? Say thank you, Lord. It's going to draw me closer to you surrender to the Lord today and if you never have come to Christ maybe this is the day you step over that line of faith and trust in Jesus Christ you can pray right where you sit you can say Lord Jesus I'm a sinner I ask you to wash me clean and cleanse me come and live in my life be my master and my Lord so Lord hear our prayers as we respond to you be pleased we ask in Jesus name Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number 3 crosses.org.